now this young man right here is our pastor on Sunday morning. He's going to minister the word today. <laughs> Thank you. Amen. Well, if you have never taken ministry school classes, you do not have to be in pursuit of licensing or even ordination. It's a great way to, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a great way to just learn a lot more about what the Bible says. We, uh, we love being able to teach the Bible and think that it's very important for us to do so. Um, I, I also love that I get to teach church history. Um, I've been really immersifying myself a lot more with church history ever since my master's degree, helping out with Dr. Connie Dawson. Many of you guys met her um, a couple years ago at the women's conference. She does a great job. Uh, she's mentored me in, uh, in being able to research and look through church history a lot more. And so it's been very fun to see the Holy Spirit's activity from one position to another, all the way from the earlier church um, throughout the time to where it's, it didn't just happen at, uh, in the early 1900s with Azusa Street. That's not when the Holy Spirit came on the scene, <laughs> contrary to some Pentecostal belief. <laughs> that is not when the Holy Spirit came on the scene. He's been here for quite a long time, and so it's, uh, it's great to be able to see how he's worked and how he's moved through many different people as the gospel has been preached. Um, we have many different denominations and different types of uh, of ways of, of viewing scripture. Um, and so it's really fun to see how many of these different denominations and these different gatherings that we see in the body of Christ kind of has happened. And so it's, it's a good time. And so there's a lot of really good classes. I like this round of classes especially because you get to have a class on the Holy Spirit and then you also get one on the book of Acts. So you get like a nice overview of the Holy Spirit and then you get a real like a nice penetration of just the book of Acts and what it meant for the early church to kind of navigate through life now that Christ ascended into heaven and then gave this beautiful gift to us. And so it's, it's really interesting. Or you can go from church history as a nice overview of Holy Spirit's activity and then look at the book of Acts. And so I encourage you, if you have never taken these classes before, uh, it's, a, it's a great combo to be able to jump into those. Also, before we start, I wanted to let you guys know, again, we are doing our 20th anniversary conference. So we usually do a, uh, an annual conference. We started that back up last year after taking a couple years off. And uh, this year, uh, Dad decided that we would do this um, at the same exact time that we'll have our 20th anniversary. So it's a great time to be able to celebrate what God's done here in Popper Bluff, but then also through the network. If you're not familiar with the ministry, we have lots of different churches and ministers who we've commissioned out to go and to preach the gospel and to establish churches in many different places. And so we love getting those people together to be able to fellowship and to celebrate what God is doing in their cities and their churches. And so it's going to be a great time, October the 20th through the 22nd. Uh, it's going to be a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Friday night, we're going to be able to have a, uh, uh, we're going to do a dinner in here um, in the fellowship hall, and then we'll come over and, sorry, Saturday night. Friday night, we'll meet in here and have a regular service with, uh, with Dr. Garland Bilbo. And then uh, Saturday morning, we'll be back in here. Dad will minister, and then we'll do a dinner on Saturday night at 6 and come over and Pastor Ellie Hernandez. Um, he's going to minister on Saturday night, and then Sunday morning we'll have uh, Dr. Bilbo back with us again. So it's going to be a great, a great time of celebration. Um, there will be many different people who will kind of get up and, and give some testimonies as we have them uh, as well, because we have lots of people coming from different places. It's great to get an update on what's going on in Mexico and uh, with the, the network of churches that we have down there too. So it'll be a great time of celebration. So if you can, I would highly encourage you to make it out for that. It's going to be a great, great weekend. Um, also, just an update, because I know that we, we talked a little bit about this. Uh, my, my trip to Rwanda um, next month, I am fully funded. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Fully funded for the trip. I got a call or I got an email on Friday that, uh, that I would have my ticket covered. Um, and so that was a huge relief. And then I already had some money that was raised. Thank you, anybody who, who decided that you would want to give. Um, so that I can get out there. I'm very excited for that trip. Um, we also found out there's another activity that we get to be a part of too, so I'm, I'm real pumped to be able to go out there. So just if anybody was wondering about how that process was going, fully funded, anything extra, if you still want to give, you can feel free to do that. I'm giving any of the rest of the money that I have left over to the efforts that they're doing at the, uh, the tribal village um, over there too that we're going to be a part of. So uh, that's going to be a blessing to be able to give to the, to the efforts and to the relief that they're doing um, over there as well. So really fun. Also great to have you guys here from South Africa. That's awesome that we're talking about that right now. All right, so uh, moving on. So we're going to the, the message that I spoke last week. Uh, it's called whatever, whatever. And so we're going to continue on whatever. That's going to be fine, you know, whatever. 
uh, Philippians chapter 4, we'll start back at the, in verse 4 again, just to kind of recap a little bit, and then we'll move on to, I'm hoping to finish the remainder of, of this section of this chapter, and uh, then we'll be able to move on um, here a little while. So he says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. There you go, hey. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Again, just to recap, I love that in verse four, he says to rejoice in the Lord always. Always means always. Always means always. And he says it again to rejoice. He mentions that twice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. I love the, the imagery of gentleness here because I think of someone who is, who is strong, who is powerful, who has the capabilities or the capacity to enact and afflict damage on somebody if desired to, but withholds that and is gentle. Same thing with the imagery of a father. When a father picks up his child, um, or any, even like a mother. I mean, you have a little baby. A, a baby is very fragile and needs the support of another human in order to continue on. And the gentleness that you take and you care for whenever you care for that child is very different than if you were trying to pick up another human, <laughs> another adult, like a big adult. Like that's, it's very different the way that you would approach that. And so the gentleness that you have, let it be evident to all that the Lord is near. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. His nearness should be evident in your life everywhere that you go. Again, which is why we should be gentle. In, in another passage, uh, Paul writes, he says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And self-control. This shows that you are in the vine. I love that John talks about that. He says, I am the vine. My father is the vine dresser. You are the branches. When we are grafted into the vine, when we have the Holy Spirit's activity of conviction in our lives, then what should come from our lives is evidence that we are with God and that God is with us. It's very easy to see Christians without them parading and holding a huge sign above their heads, I believe in Jesus. They don't have to do that in order for you to be like, mm, there's something different about you. There's something about the way that you carry yourself. There's something about the way that you speak, that you communicate. There's something about when you walk in the room, it's different. I don't, I don't know what it, like you can pinpoint that there's something different about the activity of your life than people who don't know Christ. There are also those who you are around them for a while and then they open their mouth and say that they're a Christian and you're like, what? You are? This is what it means to be a Christian? Are you sure? Doesn't mean they're not in a process of, of learning and growing because we are all in a, in a position of sanctification, right? How many of you guys are, are, in the, are on a journey right now of <laughs> trying to become more and more like Jesus? None of us are perfect. So I'm not trying to say that you have to be perfect and whenever you go to people, you have to like have your life the most together than anybody else. However, whenever you have conviction in your life, it's evident in the way that you interact with people. You'll be quick to apologize when you do something wrong. You'll be the first to, to recognize, hey, I was wrong in this situation, and I'm, I'm so sorry. Whether if it was the Holy Spirit that convicted you interpersonally, or if it was someone who communicated to you 
and, and their communication in that awoken something inside of you and was like, you know what, you're right, that was my fault, I'm sorry. Because pride will cause you to try and figure out a way to come out on top. And pride is not a part of the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> Pridefulness was not listed in that, in that amount, and so you will have to make yourself low in order to realize who is the one that receives the glory. And that's like, dude, I'm not perfect, so I need to figure out some things, and I'll be quick to say I'm sorry. And so in the midst of the fruit of the Spirit, you start to see that the fruit, I've said this before, but I, I love to repeat it again because it's important for us to know. I believe that this is more of a continuous process. The fruit, the, the fruit that you receive, it's not just I have a little joy here, now I'll go over to this side of the tree, and I'll get faithfulness. And I'll go to this side of the tree, I'll get gentleness. And I'll get this side of the tree. I don't think that's the case. I think the fruit, like you look at a mango, <laughs> you look at a piece, and the flavor that comes from it is listed in succinct order. The fruit that should be evident in your life should encapsulate all these flavors. Love is the first, because you cannot be patient without love. Not for a long time, maybe for a little moment, but patience doesn't endure <laughs> if you don't have love, okay? So love is primary in that, and from love, you have joy. From joy, you have peace. From peace, you have patience. Patience, you have kindness. Kindness, you have goodness, and then it goes on and on and on and on and on, because it's all a part of the one fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is this. It doesn't say the fruits are, if anybody wants to nerd out on some, some grammar. I know we're in southeast Missouri, and sometimes it gets weird, so I understand that. But it doesn't say the fruits are this. It says the fruit is this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And so when he says, let the gentleness be evident to all that the Lord is near. Let the gentleness and the way that you communicate and you deal with people be evident that the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. It doesn't say by prayer, petition, and lots of complaining. By prayer, petition, and a whole lot of you got to do something because you're not doing it the way that you need to. And my plan's better than yours, God. Attitude. Prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. This is why it's important for us to have on the forefront of our mind the cross. What Jesus did, and not just the cross, because we don't just worship a martyr, right? We worship a risen Savior. So you look at the cross and know that it's empty. It's empty because he was put in the grave. And then you look at the grave and you go, hey, guess what? That stone got pushed over too. Ain't nobody in there. There you go. I put you some, some incorrect grammar for you. Ain't nobody there. There's not a person in there because Jesus rose. He rose. And so when you, when you come from that understanding of, I can now give God thanks for everything that he has done, everything that he is doing, the, the horrible mess that he delivered me from in the sin that I was a part of, knowing that if he did it then, he can surely do it now. So now I can take my prayer and my petitions, the things that I have, and offer it to him with thanksgiving and present that to our God. Because we do not serve a God who is insufficient. We don't serve a powerless God that we have to like wake up because he's sleeping all the time. He's not limited in his knowing. He knows. And so what I can do is in his knowing, I give him thanks. Because that means that if he knows what's going on, if he understands the things that I'm going through, Guess what? He also has a plan for what can happen and how we can move through the circumstances of life. It's hard to find the evidence of fruit and to taste the flavors unless you bite into it and you know what bitterness tastes like. If you know the bitterness of scenarios, the bitterness of the flavor of circumstance, then you know that when you take a bite out of the good fruit, you're like, this is where it's at right here. Anybody ever taken a bite out of rotten fruit before? 
or something that's just been ripe a little too long, maybe. And then you take a bite out of the most perfect fruit. You're like, oh my gosh, this is the most incredible thing I've ever had in my life. You know, you know, this is, this is a good one. This is, this is where it's at. So the fruit is shown many times in the midst of a bitter circumstance and scenario. So don't be anxious about anything. It doesn't mean that you, you can't go through and try to strategize and, and work out and say, okay, there's something that's going on here, so I have to, there's a, a sense of urgency that I need to get to something. That's fine. But it's whenever you allow the anxiety to overwhelm and overcome you to the point to where now you can't make a rash decision because you were just so overcome with this emotion. Instead of allowing the emotion to tell you, okay, I need to start to act out of urgency, you now have that emotion override, and now that's making all of your decisions for you. Does that make sense? The emotion is driving you instead of allowing yourself to feel, okay, there's something that's happening right now, so what is it that I need to work through so that we can take care of whatever it is that's happening around us? So don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Because I'm not the one that's in control. I can't micromanage every single thing that happens around in life. I can't make things push over and move into the way that I exactly wanted to. So if something does not happen the way that I thought it was supposed to, I can just take my thankfulness to God and say, okay, God, I know that you have the greatest plans. I know that your ways are higher. I know that you understand the situation that I'm in right now. So I'm giving you thanks for what you're doing right now that I can't see and for what you're going to do in which I will try to walk in obedience alongside of you. Okay, I will try to get past this because I already preached on this last week. Um, so the peace of God, I love that he puts this afterwards. Don't be anxious. And then he says this, then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. His peace will be your guard. His peace will be your guard. But if we cannot approach his throne with thanksgiving, in our prayer and petition, then we forget his majesty, his glory, and his power. We forget about these things, and we start to attach ourselves to our anxieties and the negative emotions that, that are innately given to us, right? We're given that feeling of something's happening, I need to act urgently. But it's whenever that's overcoming us, and we don't think with a clear mind, that things start to go south. Okay, I will move on from that. Then he goes in verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I love that right before this, he says, let the peace of God, transcending your understanding, guards your hearts and your minds. Your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Then he gives us all these whatevers. Says if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If his peace is guarding your mind, then when you have peace, it is much easier to dwell on things that are whatever from here. You can dwell on the whatevers when you have peace. If you've been alive for more than five years, let the church say amen. Okay, so you know that if you are in a state of peace, then it's much easier to think about these whatevers. But when you are in extreme anxiety, you're not just thinking about these whatevers. You're flipping it on its head, and you're thinking the complete opposite. Oh, my God, the worst thing is going to happen. I'm going to lose all my money. All my relationships are the worst. Everybody hates me. I'm definitely losing my job. Anything that you can think of is going to happen. When you dwell on those things, it starts to become evident in your life. And that starts to become the way that you act, react, and push forward because you're meditating on those things. 
This is why the difference between meditation and, and Christianity is, is different from other religions. Because all the other religions will say to empty your minds. When in reality, we're not supposed to empty our minds. We're not supposed to be mindless kooks. You're actually supposed to fill your mind with things that are of Scripture. When you meditate on these things, you fill your mind with the Scripture, and you sit and you contemplate it, and you pray about it, and you look at it, and you ask the Lord to reveal things to your heart in the middle of it. So you're not emptying, you're actually being filled in the middle of it. And so if the peace of God transcending your understanding will guard your hearts and your minds, then you can think about things that are true. Because your perspective is on the one who can get you through any of those circumstances anyway. And you find that the truth is the thing that actually sets you free. So if you were in bondage, then the freedom is the thing that you need to be concentrated on. The freedom is found in Christ. And so if he's the one that actually sets you free and delivers you from these things, then you can think on that. And he will actually deliver peace to you in the middle of those, those horrific situations. In the middle of those, those deceptive thought patterns. Maybe you have habits that you continuously go to and, and it's a buildup from the day of, of a little thought here and a little thought there and a little thought there and a little thought there. And sooner or later you start to take action on those little bitty thoughts. When at first it could have been a little thought, but then as the day has progressed, as you either visually see something or as you continuously contemplate on those things that are not <laughs> that are not true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, then those thoughts will continue on, and then you start to develop behaviors and habits and patterns that will perpetually lead you into destruction. And it may not be an immediate process that happens. It could be something that actually leads you very slowly away from what is true, right, noble, praiseworthy, honorable, into a path that is completely opposite of where the Lord is actually leading you into. So then you can look at any of these negative situations, you can just go, whatever. Whatever. Like, these things are happening? Whatever, dude. That's fine. My mind is not on these things, so whatever. That also doesn't mean that you completely dismiss things and you push it down and you harbor it and you're just like oh this god will take care of it no you also need to go apologize no you might need to go and mend some relationships that means you need to take your two feet and start walking as well because there are some people they're like well i'm just gonna pray about it for a long time man that's i've just been praying for 25 years yeah you were the nincompoop that actually caused this whole thing to go south so <laughs> you're the one at fault you got to deal with some things And so we have to be able to listen to the Holy Spirit and say, okay, what needs to happen? Do I need to act on something right now? Is this something that I did that I need to rectify? Or is this something that, that I just need to pray about somebody else because they're going through something and they need some healing? And so what I need to do is I just need to forgive instead of holding on to this bitterness. Because it's not doing me any good to hold on to this. Whatever is true, Noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. If anything's excellent or praiseworthy, think about them. How do you know what is true? Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So if we really want to know the truth, we have to go to Scripture. You can't just go by the opinions of people. There are many great, 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 great pastors, leaders, thinkers that you can find online and you can listen to, and they'll give you great insights. I listen to them often as well, okay? I'm not saying don't listen to them. What I am saying is that you need to actually go to the source as well. Don't just rely on people. It is not by insert your favorite person's name to listen to. It's not by them that you're saved. It's by, by Christ. And so if that's the case, then what you can do is you can, you can consult, you can go to the Lord, you can go to the Holy Spirit, and you can pray, and you can meditate on Scripture. And then what I do is that I want to make sure that what I'm going through and what I'm listening to, to figure out is this my own thought, or is this the Holy Spirit's thought, or is this just ignorance for a topic? So I love to go back and see what is the context of the scripture so I can understand the truth better. I'm not just taking out a little piece of scripture here. 
I don't want to just read one verse and say, this is what it means, when it does not mean that. There's plenty of people who do that in this world, and it is not good. It's not how you read ancient literature. So what is the context of this? What is it saying? And then you use it as a source. You don't use it as the truth. You go to the word, and you study the word. You meditate on it. You ask the Holy Spirit to reveal things to you. And then in that, you also study, show yourself approved. It's not found in Fox News. It's not found on CNN. I didn't have near enough amens on Fox News. I had a couple for CNN, but. It's not on Newsmax. Come on, there's some great people in, in each of the news media outlets. I will say this again. There are some great people who work in each of these industries. Each of them. There are also some pretty corrupt people that are in all of them. It is the truth. So where is your source of truth? Are you only waiting until someone tells you what you should do, or are you actually responding to the Holy Spirit? How do you know what the Holy Spirit sounds like? Do you know what the Word says? It's where you can recognize the character and the tone and the nature of His voice. He goes on and he says this, verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Some of us need to read this passage. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. This is one of the passages that gets plucked out of scripture and thrown into athletics. It's a great passage. It's a great passage. However, it doesn't mean that this is the reason why we're going to win the game. This doesn't mean this is why I deserve the promotion. Hard work that you put into the rhythm and flow and function of the way that you deal with people is what also provides you with the means of being able to receive a, a winning award for a game. Also, what also It's also the thing that helps you with promotion in a job. It is not because you sign, I am a Christian and my name is Zach, that, I'm, that I get promoted at work. That's not the reason why you get promotion. No, you show, you show that you work hard, that your work ethic is great, that you can show up on time, that you can do all the things that you need to do to be a good employee. And when you show faithfulness and you show that you can do things correctly, you can get promoted. That, that's Christian or non-Christian. You can say, I am a Christian and my name is LeBron James. Boop. Does not mean you get to win every championship that comes through. It, you can't do that. That's, that's not the pass that you get in order to have success. It's the hard work and dedication that you put in through. And sometimes you won't get the promotion. Sometimes you won't win the game. What Paul is saying here is that in life, I know what it means to be in need. How many of you guys can say that? I know what it means to be in need. The struggle bus is my current method of transportation right now. <laughs> I know what it means to be in need, struggling hard right now, right? I'm on the bus. 
I also know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any situation, any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Yet, it was good of you to share in my troubles. So moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I sat down from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except only you. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once, and when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a, fragment, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. I love this. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Something that's very interesting and I love about this passage is that this spoke of the obedience and the desire for people to want to contribute to the needs of others. This is an, innate, an innately imperative and important part of, of our faith. Right, we, we've been commended to, to minister to the widows and to the orphans, right? To care for those who are in need, care for those who have, who have desires and who are in these positions. And it was through that, through people's willingness and desire to actually provide for people, that Paul was able to say that my God will provide for all your needs according to his riches and glory. People who are listening who are saying, hey, I have the capacity and the ability to provide for somebody in this way. And you will see that it's, it's in your ability to, to let go of some things at times that you will find that the Lord will provide over and abundantly. I mean, there's time and time again, and it's not just financial. It could be your time. You take some time out of your day to just spend with somebody and help them in their need. You take a moment to contribute to somebody. Uh, it's, it's very easy for us to just go to monetary things just because we're a very money-driven culture. But in reality, what is, what is time worth as well for you? There's an age-old saying that, that time is money. So if you can think on things that are true, noble, right, lovely, pure, honorable, praiseworthy, excellent, then you'll find it's easy for the Lord to guide your hand. That doesn't mean that every single time something comes up, you deplete your bank account. And you're like, God, you got to provide for me. Use wisdom. Okay, wisdom is also a great thing to have. <laughs> okay, there's a lot of people who have been on television that said, hey, you just touch the screen right here and... So you're $2,000 and you get $2 million in the bank next month. That's called manipulation. And that's hot garbage. Hot smoking garbage. I would rather the Holy Spirit convict you for what needs to happen for someone's life and how to contribute. And then you obey his voice. Instead of me having to make this huge claim and then say, give $2,000 and see the Lord you know, provide for you everything you ever desired. It's a real easy way to turn people away from church. Because then that became about money and not about the Holy Spirit actually speaking to your heart. This is when Jesus went to the temple and, and he grabbed the money changing tables, flipped them, grabbed a whip. Whoosh, like you guys are full of hot garbage right now. Pride and manipulation, preying upon people in the house of God when it should be a house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. Church should not be a place of manipulation. It should be a place where you can look over, you can sit, and you can dwell on whatever is true, whatever is noble whatever's right, whatever's pure, 
whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, and anything that's excellent or praiseworthy. That should be the atmosphere that you feel when you come into church. That should be the things that as you leave these, these walls, as you walk out the doors, that you can come over and you can go, okay, this is what I'm carrying with me as the God of peace. Sean's going to come up and, and play, and we're, we'll, we'll start to wrap up. But I think it's very important for us to, to really take, a, take a, few, a few moments to pause, to reflect on what it is that the Lord is actually laying on your heart. Not in a giving sense, please. We're not taking baskets and bringing them back out or anything like that. But I want you to think about what has been my mentality as I've been around people. What's been my thought process as I've, as I've walked out into my workplace, as I'm in my home? What am I actually giving? Is my mind set on things that are more anxiety-ridden? Do I constantly give of my time and myself in things that, that, that seem to bring me to a place of, of complaint instead of thankfulness? What am I spending my time on specifically right now? Where am I contributing in my thoughts? How is that leaking out and bleeding into my life? Is my woundedness actually afflicting other people as well because I'm dwelling on these things way too often? Am I in a mental state of need specifically? Am I not able to actually give gentleness to other people who I'm around? I can't contribute to society in a way that actually shows and gives God glory because I'm too captive by the wounds that have afflicted me internally. Do I dwell on things that are right, good, noble, praiseworthy? Do I have this ingrained in my mind? Is the actual fruit of the Spirit evident to where when people are around me, they can taste and see that the Lord is good, not that I am good? Can I truly take all the things that I have, offer God thanks, and say that I can do all things through you who give me strength? And so I'm offering thankfulness, I'm offering this situation, I'm offering this hurt, I'm offering this regret, I'm offering this shame to you and saying you're the one that can do something with this. Instead of being riddled and filled with anxiety, consistently thinking like you don't have a plan for me, I will actually sacrifice these thoughts and ask you what you would require of me in this moment. Start to think, is there somebody that I have wronged that is actually causing me anxiety every time I see them? because I'm terrified of what they're gonna do whenever they come around, because I have yet to apologize for the things that I've said. Have I just been running and running and running, going from one place to another, trying and trying and trying to hide myself so that I have not been identified by others who could possibly know the dirt in my closet. The bones that I've held up that are hanging up in my closet. My house reeks of death, but I've tried to mask it with a, a fake fragrance. Can we truly make room for the Almighty God to intervene and to take hold of those things and eradicate them from our, from our lives? I think that there's many times where he's tried to grab hold of those things and we've been so comfortable with it that we're fighting with him to hold on to those things because it's what we know. Scared of what things would look like if I actually was free. Can we look at a situation and go, whatever. The Lord will handle as I place my hope and my trust in him. I'm going to respond to his voice and not the voice of the enemy. If he asked me to go, I will go. If he asked me to stay, I will stay. But my reaction doesn't need to be lashing out in hostility towards other people. That's not showing gentleness. It's actually showing the opposite. 
it's showing the bitter fruit. So that when someone comes and they say, you're a Christian? (laughs) Gross. Don't believe you. That's why when people go to churches, a lot of times they're like, full of hypocrites. Well, of course, we're dealing through a lot of things, but at the same time, we could help some of the behaviors that we have. Again, that's why I mentioned we need to be quick to apologize when we do something. We cannot be so full of pride that we think that we're going to be right every single time and that everybody, and that we deserve everybody to just glorify us. That's when we place ourselves on a pedestal and we make ourselves an idol. We become a God in our own eyes, saying that there's no way that the Holy Spirit can convict me because I'm on the top. I want to do a series on Solomon. I've been reading in, in, uh, in, in a lot of his, his life recently, but one thing that I noticed is that once Solomon dedicated the temple, the glory of God came, filled the entire, the entire temple. It was a beautiful scenario, a wonderful circumstance. I mean, the, the priests couldn't even go into the temple because his glory was so thick, they would just fall over. Insane to watch. I can only imagine what it would look like in those moments. He sacrificed thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of, of, of cattle just to give God glory and to offer him the most beautiful sacrifice that he could in his riches. The thing that God told him after that whole scene happened, he went back and the Lord gave him an issue of warning. You would think after this that there'd be like huge round of applause that God's like, this is exactly what I wanted. This is amazing. You did so good. Look at you. High five. Heaven and earth collides right there and he gets the most powerful high five ever. Like the coolest thing. And you think, I mean, just a huge moment of triumph for him. But really what God does is he says, I'm going to give you a warning. If you allow idolatry to come into this land and you allow that to infiltrate, you will not only lose everything yourself, but you will taint what should be a continuation of, of your father's kingdom in its entirety and things will be divided. The temple that you just that you just dedicated to me that was amazing that my glory fell and it's been there and it's there right now, it will actually be pummeled ripped apart things will be eradicated and your people will go into into captivity idolatry is the one thing that will deter you whether you are self-idolatrous or whether you idolize things or circumstances idolatry will be the one thing that pulls you away from acknowledging and giving thanks to God so what are those things that have pulled you away from giving God glory and giving Him thanks so that whatever the circumstance, like Paul said, whether you're in the most need or whether you have everything that you feel like you need right now, you are still able to go to Him and give Him thanks. Knowing that my God will provide for all of your needs. Do we put our faith continuously in Him? Or just like that series we did over Psalms, when you're in the muck, you just look at your former situation and say, I wish I was the same way that I was before this situation happened. And you just long for the past to catch up into your present. Do you raise a a fist in the sky and say, you were supposed to do this for me? Or do you take the perspective of saying, God, I know things don't look great. I know this is not ideal. I feel like there's there's no way that I can get any progress from this point. But I will look to you. I won't just look to you, but I'll open my ears to listen for your voice. What is it that you're actually saying to me? And what is it that you require of me? Is it that just my hope is found in you to move mountains? Is it that I actually need to move two feet and move in a direction of repentance? Whatever it is, whatever, whatever it is, I say yes to you. I say yes. Purity comes when the fire down the gold 
all the impurities rise to the top. It makes itself known. And you can take care of that. So the gold is purified and made known. Whatever is pure, you want to think on those things? That means you're going to have to go through purification in your own heart. In your own soul. You don't start pointing fingers. You look inside and say, Holy Spirit, what is it that needs to be purified? And you listen for his voice, whether he speaks to you directly or whether he speaks to you through somebody else. Because he will use other people to keep you humble as well. So what's your whatever fountain? Where's your whatever pit? We're going to take about 30 seconds. I just want you guys to contemplate for a moment. Think about these things. Jesus, thank you so much for your, for your word. Thank you for scripture that we get to go back to. And we can contemplate and we can learn and we can meditate on it. Thank you that you haven't called us to empty our minds to the point of mindlessness and the passing of time. Feeling like the only way that we can have peace is if there's no activity happening. Thank you that you've actually called us to to be filled with wisdom and knowledge. That it's a blessing to look at scripture and to read it and to meditate on it and to dissect it and to ask you what it means and how we can apply it. That there's been many people that have gone before us who've studied and studied and studied and provided us with, with videos and literature and things that we can learn and glean from so that we can further understand what you're asking of us. Thank you for a church body that we can come to and we can learn from and we can grow with one another. Thank you that it's not about a specific person who can stand in a pulpit, but it's about all of us coming together and how we can more adequately give you glory and how we can more adequately hear your voice and respond to it in obedience. Thank you that worship doesn't just happen whenever we lift our voices and sing, but worship happens with the activity of our, of our lives. So, Father, help us in the moments that we're around others to showcase the fruit of your Spirit. Help us in the moments when we're alone, on our own, to give you glory and that the time spent would be a sweet fragrance in your nostrils. Let the shame of those, those hidden moments be eradicated and let us pursue with intensity purity, righteousness, humility, joy, love, compassion, understanding. I pray that the grip of sin be loosened in Jesus' name. Pray the conviction would be the thing that enraptures them up. Lord, that the warning that James gives us for that we are tempted and enticed, and other versions say we are drug away by our passions, that Lord, we would not be pursuant of passions, but we would be pursuant of you. And that we'd be able to respond in obedience to what you're requiring and desiring from us. 
In all things, Lord, let us give you thanks. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the crown of thorns. Thank you that you suffered from anxiety and depression in those moments of, of harsh, harsh persecution. Thank you that you know what it's like to have people spread lies and slander your name. Thank you that you know what it's like to be, be bodily beaten and broken. Thank you that you know what it's like for the weightiness of the shame of the world to be put and placed and shoved upon your shoulders. And that you know what it's like to overcome all of it. Even death could not hold you. And so we give you thanks. We give you praise. We honor your name because you are the one who is worthy. You are honorable. You are righteous. You are just. You are true. You are compassionate. You are strong. So we worship you. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Why don't you guys stand? I bless you all in Jesus' name. May those who are around you know and acknowledge that Jesus is with you. Let you be convicted by the, by the wonderful voice and the, the beautiful voice of the Holy Spirit. Let you be driven and, and drawn through compassion. I bless your, your family. I bless your finances. I bless your friends. I bless your coming and your going. I bless you in Jesus' name. Let you know Jesus, know him intimately, and that the fruit of your life would show it in Jesus' name. Love you guys. Have a wonderful Sunday. Go eat lunch with somebody. Uh, make sure you sign up for some of those ministry school classes if you so desire. Um, say hello to somebody if you haven't seen them before, and we'll see you guys next week.